if we organize strongly enough, bigger than the Occupy movement, if we have, like in Mexico, we had a revolution here at some time, there are going to be those separations, naturally. You're going to have to hold the side. I don't believe we're there. I have not seen one in recent years. There hasn't been a revolution at that scale at this time. But you're going to have to eventually. There's no who said it. Howard Zinn said, you cannot be neutral on a running train. I think it was. <laughs> uh, and you're going to have to eventually come to it. Like, and I, and I invite people to really cross-examine and analyze and whoever's listening to this and, you know, fighting the algorithms of wherever platform you're listening to this, you're going to have to really just analyze and dissect things and topics where you personally have already, like maybe you haven't discussed further. I've been re-examining other issues that we've talked about, other issues we have not talked about, other political stances we've discussed, and I've slowly progressed and changed over time. And you're going to eventually come to find yourself at difference. They're, they're going, you're going to have to, like, as what we do here on What's Left, is make those challenging, uh, you're going to have to be challenged and confronted. You have to find yourself confronted by where you stand and declare, like, this is what I hold. Like, I'm not, Along, I'm not going to go along with these QR codes. I'm sorry. Or I'm not going to go along with this mask. I don't want to wear one. Or I'm not going to go along with, you know, this whole um, data-driven society where we're going to have to just, everyone has to present an IV to enter a public space. That's what's happening. I mean, you have to find where this is going to hit you. And it's going to, you're going to have to find a place where you're going to be like, I'm just, I, I live my, my, my principle. And that's just going to be it. Welcome to What's Left, weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and writing teacher Jessica. Uh, Kenny Cepeda will be uh, absent for today. Hopefully he'll be joining us next week. Este, and we wish him a happy holidays during this time. We're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our blog in the episode notes. And you can find our personal, personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZPK on Instagram and just his Twitter handle as jhomie89. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. All right, so um, here we are doing this episode during in the midst of between two uh, holiday weekends, right? There's the Christmas kind of uh, weekend, and then there's the New Year's Eve uh, weekend coming up. So uh, uh, I thought, as we were discussing, that um, we were going to maybe like Andy had called and you had said something about an idea and then I had said something about another and then I called Jess and we talked it over. And so we came to maybe the, uh, the conclusion that to discuss that what's happening now is during this time would be interesting to discuss like how do we navigate the challenging conversations amongst relationships and family, friends and community and just in general, like in society on stances we hold and especially during this time we're all convivial or maybe not, but a lot of maybe the audience are. And what does it, working with folks within our circles look like when we have differences of positions on issues? 
Uh, I know that Andy and I went to meet up with folks from Workers and Students for Choice in Sacramento, and we had an experience where we were sitting in a group with uh, other amazingly uh, like-minded folk, but there were some dialogue around how do we then work with people who are just clearly not going to compromise? And what does that look like in a society where, you know, some people are just going to just have difference of thought? And there was this Ukrainian lawyer person that said that, you know, there might be just this necessity for a splitting of society and creating separate working societies, something of that nature. And, um, and I just thought, like, this would be interesting in a convo that would be um, on the personal level and then a more like a uh, more exterior level, right? There's like resurfacing conversations right now and also confront confrontation on stances that we hold. So what do we take? Like what approaches do we take in situations like those? So that's kind of like the, the, the gist. I'm not sure if I said anything else that might, or Andy, you want to add something to it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what people are. There was a few, there were a few interesting moments for me during the holidays when I was visiting my family in Dallas that I'd, I'd like to share. Um, I'd also probably want to share a little bit about my conversation with um, that Brandy and Brandy and I had with Lynn Davenport and Marjorie Stakely from there as well. So, oh. you know, that, that is not as much of a navigation discussion, although it did touch on this question of um, agreeing to disagree on some things. Um, I see. And, you know, but I think there were different moments for me that being around family and making decisions about how I wanted to relate at different times that I figured I'd, I'd like to hear your experiences. And Jessica, this is kind of the first time I feel like we've had a, that kind of, I have never really had this kind of discussion with you. I know you've told us about, you know, some of the distances from your family, but I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if stuff comes up for you about around this time as well. Where should we start? I don't know. I I want to hear about your Andy. Maybe you should start. Like I have thoughts, but I haven't really been. I don't know. It's been me and Nate and Jasmine over the holidays. Yeah. Okay. Like fresh stuff. <clears throat> well, first off, I got sick going down for the holidays, so that put me in a particular. Like it's the first time I've been sick in a while, and I think I had a fever of some sort. Um, definitely felt weak and things like that. Like the minute I landed in Dallas, essentially. Um, I got in Dallas on Sunday and I was sick by Monday and I was sick Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at least for those, those days, um, which was unfortunate. Um, I'd say the first thing is, uh, that like I'm in Dallas with my family that left California. Um, the first thing to, to know is that I felt fairly free that I'm talking among people, at least initially, uh, among people who are freedom folk, you know, and where I don't, if I, if I choose to, we can, we can talk with kind of a, um, sort of, sometimes we can be very judgmental. I feel like of, you know, people who've fallen for things stuff like that. So I felt free to, to kind of go into that kind of space, uh, at home. And that felt good to be honest. Um, then as people, there were people who I knew less, um, like you know, my, my nephew's uh, partner, um, and then as you start to bring people in who I knew less and like there were some families, my sister-in-law had family coming in who I think all these people have questions about COVID. Then I just make the choice to kind of like, you know what, let's, 
I'm not going to make any assumptions. And I do feel like I got a little bit more shy about, you know, kind of just making snide comments or even making comments at all about what's going on with the, the, the government, what's going on with COVID, even what's going on with Ukraine. Um, there was one of my, my, my sister-in-law's cousin. Um, he's ex-military and he's in the military actually, and was very critical of the, when we talked to me about the, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and how he felt that the troops were abandoned and things like that. Um, it did ended up leading us to talking about, well, where is the U.S. going now? Um, which led us to talk to Ukraine. And I was, I was pretty surprised to see that he's like a Ukraine patriot. Um, like basically he's leaving the military, but he said, if he, if, if he, if he, if there's anywhere he'd want to fight, he'd want to go in Ukraine and fight basically on the side of the Ukrainians. And, you know, I, I did not expect that. So my first posture was to basically, you know, maybe put some questions to him about like, well, why do you think the United States is there? Why do you think this thing has started to see what he's thought about it? Um, and so my first round of conversation with him was a little bit more cautious, posing questions, telling him that I disagreed, but not getting really deep into it um, about where, about how much I disagree, other than to say, so let him know we're on two sides of this question. Like, I don't think the U.S. should be there at all. And he's very much like the U.S. is doing the right thing and, and, and being there. Um, and I, it, that was uncomfortable enough for me to kind of live and let, let, let live with it. Um, but then, you know, I'm just, <laughs> another, the next day I'm talking with Brandy about some stuff and he's like, he wants to do round two. Um, and that's when I felt much more emboldened um, to, to really be like, you know, I, I think that you, you know, to be much more critical of where he's coming from and um, to point out that basically he recognizes the U.S. as a hegemonic power. He just thinks that it's hegemonic for good. Um, and I just said, I think that's not true at all. Um, and we kind of left it at that. And and then after that, we just kind of put it aside. Um, and I, in the past, I think the conversation could have gotten very pitched and I would have not wanted to talk to this guy anymore. Um, but I feel like I've learned a little bit now to basically know, all right, he knows where I stand. I know where he stands. He's staying out of it. I'm staying out of it. Um, we can go ahead and enjoy our time together and, uh, and not really to spend that much time talking about Ukraine. Um, I think that was one of the first moments for me where I kind of had to show a little bit of both uh, maturity uh, to kind of recognize that we're not going to decide anything here. Um, at the same time, I, I'm not just going to let somebody say something that I completely disagree with and not at least let them know that I come, that I have a different viewpoint. Um, and each time that risks escalating the conversation and it somewhat did at times, it got kind of heated. But um, I think at my age now, I feel like it can get heated. We can agree to disagree. And then I can actually enjoy my time with this person. Um, and later on doing other things like holiday things. So um, that was my first experience and probably my, my only major experience of this holidays of something that was awkward. Um, I think there was a time when stuff came up around the dinner table, around surveillance and machines, like you know those dog robots that are tracking us down. Um, 
And in all honesty, I just didn't feel like talking about it. So I just kind of stayed out of it. Um, I think some of the things I heard, I agreed with. Some of the things I heard, I didn't agree with. But for the most part, I just kind of minded my own business. And I was like, I'm not really here to be discussing this right now. So those are the choices I made this holiday. Just one small comment. Um, I think just to paraphrase one thing you said, Andy, about like with the guy, you kind of hashed it out like to a certain extent, but then at the end of the day, agreed to disagree and then just moved on and were able to have a reasonably good time together, it sounds like. Yeah. I, I just want to note, because I think like that <laughs> requires of both people that they are willing to agree to disagree and then set it aside and have a good time regardless. And I think that's not like a foregone conclusion. Like there's a lot of people who are not willing. I mean, maybe they don't want to keep hashing it out, but they're not willing to just be like, okay, well, we're not going to agree on this today or that's enough or, you know, return to it later or not. Um, so yeah, I don't know, just a small observation because I think it's really like the people who are not willing to do that, that I struggle with the most, like whether it's family or acquaintances or, or strangers, like it's just, I don't know what we try to model here is like having a good faith conversation. And then at the end of the day, seeing each other as humans. Yeah. I'm actually glad you pointed that out because it does. I, you're right. It actually takes two people to do that. You can't just yeah, be. And credit to him. I mean, and yeah. you obviously, but I would. No, but I, I agree with <laughs> you. And I would have not necessarily given him that credit, but I think it's true. And I think he, he did the same thing I tried to do, um, which is let it alone, uh, not return to it. Um, and, and then not have some sort of attitude afterwards, but be like more open and be friendly. Yeah, just normal. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you want to go, Jess? No, you go. I don't. Yeah, I'm still circulating what I want to say because I don't have like a right. thing. I just have thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I guess what I, I guess the, the challenge of like being me in this family isn't just that I have political positions. It's that there's. I was just, I don't know. I don't know how to start this. Like, I'll say this again. So last night, there, so last night there was a, like, a, we had a gathering of family and friends and community uh, here at my grandmother's house. It's a large five-story house built over years. And it's incredible. Like you can just see it's built, built on a hill. So you can only see two floors of it, but it's on the hill. Like there's all these other layers to it. So it's really cool. And so there well, there are a lot of people that were just there. And I know that just my presence is always striking because it's, it's, it's like I'm, I hold two nationalities. I'm vegetarian. So there's always food that has to be made aside or modified. And I don't pray with them. I'm not a believer in God, you know. Uh, so I, 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 I kind of just, when they start talking about, like, you know, uh, Catholic things, like kind of just roll my eyes. 
And so I don't follow sports. And then there's also me, the, the, the choice of not having children, which is also like for my grandmother, just uncomprehensible. And then given that also, I'm like constantly saying things, small things around every, like around the house, just small things, like just my personality, you know, like, can we have, like, I constantly replenish toilet paper and then my grandmother's hiding it. So it's like, there's like people, because some people don't pay for the toilet paper and some people do. So then my grandmother's like, I'm not, I'm done with this. So I replenish the toilet paper. So then I'm like, I'm just going to replenish it. And then there's like the downstairs versus the upstairs people. And so there's all these like elements in this family, right? Besides like those who drink, those that don't. And then there's like me saying constantly, please smoke outside, don't smoke indoors. So I feel as if there's always this constant, 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 like, it's always, <laughs> there's always something happening and then the past and then there's like history and, and then it's like, I say that the kids should be in bed by 8 p.m. And I'm seeing them up at 2 a.m. And of course, it's very Mexican style and I'm like, get to bed, you know? <laughs> so then there's like people feeling kind of judged about their parenting. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, imagine that with like the other stuff that I bring up, which is like what I'm going to bring up now, like the political, like on immigration, QR codes, uh, capitalism versus the Zapatistas in Chiapas. And and like I even wrote here, like the empowerment issue versus like the oppression and like the institutional capitalism that exists, right? And then there's also like uh, my position on families and teachers. And they're just like, why don't you just respect teachers? Like let them be. And you constantly are barging in, let them do their work. Like all these conversations that things we've discussed. So on top of like, there's layer after layer on top of like those things. So, <clears throat> and you miss, you mix in like last night, you mix in like tequila and mezcal. It's going to go crazy mad. So it was from like, like political to like societal and then it's like it goes to like suddenly personal then everybody's attacking and like and then everybody's like stumbling and you know trying to go to sleep so it's just i guess i'm just really it's really it's really fresh in my head so i guess what i'm just trying to communicate is like uh it's challenging for anyone listening I've just, I wanted to post something, but I didn't want to post it because it's so fresh. Wounds are so uh, just fresh right now. So if I post something, my family's going to attack me on Facebook or Instagram. So I didn't post anything. I just wanted to say it. every family is dysfunctional. And it's just like, <laughs> my aunt said something like, there's no way you can take away your, your blood from you. We're still the same blood, you know, <laughs> something like that. She said to the effect. Um, so I guess I'll just choose a few things that we discussed, um, given all of that um, kind of the view of like, or the one, world. Eduardo, can I just say one thing really fast? Just because I think yeah, go ahead. we'll be moving on. But like, I, it's just, the grass is always greener, right? Like what you're describing sounds awesome. Like I'm just full, like fully transparent. I'm so jealous. Because I have I'm so hurt. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's like, yeah, it really is like, I don't know, from the outside, other people's families always seem, even if you can tell that they're totally dysfunctional, it always seems 
you know, like they have something you lack. And like, I don't know. I mean, I had a lovely Christmas. Like it was just me and my partner <laughs> and it was quiet and peaceful and lovely. But like, oh my God, I would fucking kill to be in like a chaotic mezcal, you know, induced just like family of like everybody in one space. And I don't know, like I, I usually don't, yeah. I mean, I spend, sometimes I'll spend some of the holidays with like my parents, yeah. that, but like my whole family, like everybody's just scattered, like all over the United States, all over England. And it's always just such a, yeah, it's like, I'm like, I wish I could have that. I'm, I know my mom, like I grew up with her once we moved to America, she always would be very mixed emotions because she wished she could be at home with her family. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Thank That's you. <laughs> It's a little bit consoling. <laughs> and I'm here, like I have to tell everyone repeatedly all day, this room, I'm going to record, stay out, stay out. I'm like pushing, like stay out. <laughs> um, anyhow, so, well, thank you, Jess. That is a little alleviating. I don't know. It, it's just, oh, oh, the house on Huchique Street kind of deal. Sandra Cisneros reference to the house on Mango Street, if anyone <laughs> read that book. Uh, all right. So I guess, so I'll pick something that was like, for me, I, I, I'll pick something like it was. So I, I mentioned that I, I, I'm seen as difficult. So I've, I'm, this is what I've been told. Like, why are you making it so difficult? So there's this issue of QR code. So I, I took my cousins out for to the cinema the other night. Uh, we went to go see the film Avatar. Uh, in 3D. And I I always wait. I never go to the cinema, but it's an experience of my family. I tend to, I don't bring gifts because I just bring my rucksack and, and then I just go like spend over here because that's what I just do instead. And the tickets in the USA are just crazy. I don't know. Like the last time I went, uh, it was just expensive. So here we went to go see. They're doing these now QR codes so that you, you can enter. And I... I said to um, the register, I said, I, what, we just want a ticket and that's it. I don't, not going to scan anything. But she was like, she kind of ignored me. My cousin heard it. And I said, we're just going to present the ticket. I, I took the ticket. And as we, as we were waiting in the, uh, like, in La Fille, in the, as we were waiting for our turn to enter, uh, there was, uh, they were scanning. And I was like, I'm just going to, just going to present it, show how many we are. And that's it. And my cousin was looking at me, he's younger than me, but I, and he said to me, like, why, what are you going to do right now? Because you're always doing something, something to make things like a spectacle. You're always, he said, the word spectacle, everything has to be a spectacle with you. And I said, it's not a spectacle. I, I just want to make sure that we are going to be the resistance in this little family together as we're going to go see Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we are trying to go and then i it's like get ticket i'm gonna scan it and i said oh we're we are about we're about um there are eight of us and then here's the ticket and it says how much who we spent i'm gonna scan it and i just say go along everyone start going along with i just say we're we're eight of us thank you and i say thank you you can rip it like this this is what you know like you did before <laughs> and so it just there was this uh, suddenly like there was this conversation of like, no, I have to scan it because you have to. And I said, well, sometimes uh, like I just said, 
I don't want it to be scanned. I'm not going to be a part of the scanning. We're going to go in. And I think it could just be easy as that. Like there's this is an issue. And so my cousin said to me, why are you being difficult? I said, I'm not being difficult. They're being difficult. I just flip it. Like I'm not being difficult. They're being difficult because this could be easily solved. There's just, we just have to go. And people are wearing their masks and things. And it's a personal thing. It's not like they're required. And, uh, Sometimes my cousin will say to me, you know, we do it for the good of everyone. And I said, it's not the good for me. I'm not being helped here. So what do you mean for the good of everyone? Because I didn't, I didn't ask for this to be for me. And so we had, a, we had a tensions conversation about COVID and about QR codes and technology. And this is where, like, we had a difference of thought. Like, in school, he is going to university. And in school, a lot of the things that are being come across, is like Mexicans are now being talked about like the new generation has to find Mexico to to be the new um like the 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 like engineers and uh the coders of the new age of technology and how we have to move forward and so we started talking about that because he's in university he's 19 years old and he's brilliant like my cousin is smart and I love speaking with him about talking, uh, discussing topics with him. And so he's saying like for Mexico, for us to move forward, he was saying, we have to, we have to take on and embrace the new, a, the new era. We have to take on, we have to take it by the reins. And so I, I said to him, well, what will that do to us? I said, do you know what will that do to us? Like at this moment, do you know that the Zapatistas, there's a, a leak of spyware of Pegasus that were being spied on the revolution in, Mex in, in Chiapas. And this is just leaked recently. We covered it here on what's left. And I said, like, do you want that level of scrutiny, that level of surveillance, that level of data harvesting on us, on your children, on, on my nephews, on our family? Do you want us to be located? Do you want us to be that? I said, well, we're going to solve crime and we're going to solve, we're going to solve our economic issues and you know this contingency or this small group of revolutionists like what have they achieved and i said they have achieved to stand in the resistance without being crushed yet at least as of right now and they have built not obviously not at a global scale but they have built a pretty rather exemplary resistance movement that I that you that you probably haven't heard of much but it's been talked about especially in the 90s and the early 2000s there are so many images of subcomandante marcos that I think that maybe you're not aware of of, of today and I could tell he felt a little bit like the ego of like oh, I'm not aware of like I'm not educated but we were having this discussion and it was about suddenly it turned into like capitalism versus like anarchism and collective societies and socialism and what is always rings true in latin america is if you bring up socialism it'll always be about how socialist democracies don't work like in cuba like in venezuela like in nicaragua and these are demonized in the media always and you turn on in mexico you turn it on in colombia it's demonized like oh venezuela is like that because it's a socialist country or you know fidel castro was always the enemy in Latin America, and we don't want to be that way. And so I guess what, what comes with that is how do I then, 
I was thinking, I, I was thinking after the cinema, how do I, and even when, like maybe I was influenced a little bit by the Avatar, you know, syndrome of like after watching superhero films, there was like an article I read some, some time ago where you are feeling super like, I don't know, like you feel super powerful or wondrous or whatever when you watch a superhero film. And I don't normally watch these things, but like how do we then show up in a in a movement or resistance or how do we work with people who are probably not going to be on our side, even if it means family? I don't think that, I think my, my cousin understood where I'm coming from, but I don't think he agreed. We're still trying to hash this out. We have like part two, part three. And in Mexicans, like conversations end like at 4 a.m. for like six hours straight. It's like, God damn. We're, and then we're waking up like real early because you have to eat something with your grandmother constantly barraging you in every room going after you to wake up. So, uh, so I said, I said, like, I just, I just don't think that you, I, I just don't. I, I just don't think that you will. I just don't think we will 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 be on the same page about it. And I know that you have faith in what you consider like what's current this economy or this society that we are in currently. But I don't see it. If you want to bring up three countries, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba. I'm going to bring up all the other capitalist countries as an example that it does not work. You're bringing up three countries. I'll bring up 26 countries where there are capitalist societies and they're not working. And I said, look out the window. Where are we living? Where is my grandmother's house? We are in a working class. We are in a working class neighborhood, the hood of Mexico City. And we go just up. And I said, if you just go up to Santa Fe and you go to La Mexica, and you see all of those rich Mexicans on that side, you think that this is working for us? So your belief in capitalism is this. You want this to exist. So where we're at and where they're at is what you want. You want our societies to be this divided. You want it to be this poor because that's what Mexico is. It's so rich, but all the poor people go to the USA and all the rich stay. And this is exactly what we're causing. That is capitalism. It's not difficult. Just look outside your window. And it's working for whom? It's working for those rich Mexicans in Santa Fe, in Condesa, in Roma, in Polanco, all the rich neighborhoods of Mexico City. And we are a family of, like, my family has always been, at least the Sanchez part, we've always been like, you know, the Downton Abbey kind of, like, we have always been the downstairs people. My grandmother worked as a cook in a rich mansion. and. My, all my cousins have always been uh, servants and we learned etiquette and all these rules and everything because we lived in a society where we serve the richer Mexicans. I mean, I didn't, but I know that that's our legacy. And I said, we come from a working class family and that's always going to exist in a capitalist society. You'll never, ever have to get rid of poor people never get rid of this like poorness or this disparities in a couple of society. You just won't, there'll always be disparities. And so we had to have that discussion. And I think he took offense. Like, it's true. Like if you, if I, he mentions three countries, I bring up 26 countries that are capitalist. What else can you say about that? Like you have more evidence why it doesn't work. 
So it was it was it was an interesting conversation that led from like QR codes to like the age of technology and the embracing of it of Mexicans doing this to like get, get, trying to up themselves or bring themselves up to like the rest of the first world countries and then to like capitalism and and I just think that these conversations are ongoing. And so I guess what I, I also want to communicate here is like being being in the midst of your family, community, friends, I guess we have to carry the, the message everywhere. Even we have to be magistrates. That was the word I wanted to look for. Do you remember, Andy, you shared that video? We have to be magistrates. Uh, wherever we are, we have to bring light. And I, it's gonna, it, it takes, it takes, it takes energy. It does take energy. It does take energy. And I, I invite people to really look for where they can find fuel in, in the midst of that during this time. Uh, I'll stop there because I don't, I think I'm going too long, but yeah, I don't know if anyone has thoughts, whatever I said. So yeah, I feel I like this thought. is very personal. It's not really Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, once again, I I just find just being honest, like I'm I find myself jealous that you guys are even having these types of conversations with people, even though they're sucky and we don't often like walk away having like convinced the person, you know, that our way is the way or that all of this shit that's been going down, especially the past three years, is insane and and anti-human and all of it. But like I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I had the conflicts like in 2020. I mean, my family's small. Yeah. I, I think your family's quite big, Eduardo and Andy. I think your family's at least bigger than mine, but I had the, the fights and tried to present, you know, what information people would at least pretend to take in. And, and that was that. Like, since then, it's just, like kind of off limits or I mean I can I can bring up whatever you know whether it's political or health or whatever <laughs> my opinion on like literally any subject besides like the weather or my recipe for soup <laughs> and it's just like a oh I roll like there goes Jess again and if I take it too far and and too far being like more than like 30 seconds you know, it, it's just like people, people are like walk away hurt and angry and like not willing to back to the beginning, you know, and Andy's example to like set it aside and, and have a good Christmas or have a good phone chat or whatever. And it's, I don't know. It's, I mean, obviously it's been frustrating the whole time at all stages, but I don't know. I, I wish I wish I was having more of these conversations where people were at least grappling with you. Like, even if it's a fight. Um, yeah, I, and, and I'm sure I bear some responsibility, you know, for that. I don't know if it's like my approach or if it's, I mean, a lot of my family's British when they, they tend to be very like non-confrontational, like repress, <laughs> repress, you know, everything. Um, which, you know, in some ways I love that. And in some ways I'm like that too, but 
I don't know. I mean, this shit is going down and I really, I mean, this, I do feel like this is a question, like when you're kind of framing questions, I think Eduardo about like, like, can we work with these people? I mean, family is family. Like you said, like blood is blood. Like, I don't think you, I mean, some people do cut their families off. Um, and that's, I don't know. I mean, that's sad for everybody, but I think by and large, like it's, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Blood is blood. Right. But in the larger scheme of things, like this question of, can we work with people who don't, don't get it? Like, don't speak our language. Don't like, aren't willing to look at the information, aren't willing to consider another perspective in good faith. And I mean, I, I have always felt this whole time, like I I have probably made my mistakes in terms of, you know, my communication methods and whatever, but I was, I never cut anybody off for disagreeing with me. I never shut anybody down. I was always down to like, have a conversation, hear your perspective, hash it out, agree to disagree. I never cut anybody out of my life. It was all coming from other people um, doing that to me. And I, I I was listening to um, a podcast actually this morning on my, on my dog walk um, with what was whose body is it anyway, which I love. Um, But she had a, she was like a mindfulness coach on and they were talking about a lot of the like just the stuff been ha- that's been happening the past few years and the way she described it, it was like people literally living in parallel universes, <laughs> like in terms of their reality, like actually. And that's exactly how I feel. I feel like my family lives in a different reality. Even to some extent, my partner, I think lives in a different reality. My colleagues for sure <laughs> live in a different reality. And it's like, I don't, I don't know, like I want to be able to work with those people, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I I guess I don't know if the answer to that question of like, can you work with them is I don't know. Or if the answer is I don't want to accept the answer to that. You know what I mean? Because I still have so many people in my life who just think I'm batshit crazy and who just don't want to hear it, you know, and they're good people. Like they're smart people who I love and who love me. <laughs> and it's just heartbreaking. Like after three years of this shit or longer, you know, I don't know. Yeah. A lot. I know a lot of this is really personal, I think for all of us. And I'm like, I mean, I have lots of examples, especially like, I don't know, the past couple months in my family, like, especially in the health realm, like so many people in my extended family have been hospitalized undergoing surgeries for this and that and it's just so hard to watch it's so hard to watch people just like it doesn't matter how bad their quality of life is they are just completely unwilling to even consider or hear a different approach or a different perspective um or to to even just like have the conversation Well, I think what the first time you kind of um, interrupted Eduardo when you when he was talking about his family and you were talking about how great that sounded, that definitely got me thinking. Um, 
because I think you're right. And I think listening to your situation, Jessica, does sound like the worst situation of these three, you know? Um, frankly, my situation is is a great one, I, I would kind of say, because by and large, my, my, my closest family, except my sister, has all embraced this moment as a moment to be fought against and to be part of resistance to. And, um, and Eduardo is reminding me that it didn't always feel this way. It used to feel much more jangly, you know, within my family, but even that is better than just separation. Um, and I, I actually really appreciate that we're sharing this here because one, it's reminding me where my, fa my own family has been and how much this horrible period has brought a lot of my family together as a result of it. Um, and, uh, and I'm feel, I do feel very fortunate. Um, and it does, it does remind me, Jessica, listening to you that anything is better than isolation. Um, I mean, I can almost say anything, but in terms of family, some kind of engagement, some kind of, even if it's a difficult thing is better than just feeling like scorned or judged or a sense of like, you don't belong here kind of thing. Um, and that, that's really painful. Um, so I am sorry about that. Um, but I, I honestly appreciate you sharing it because I, in some ways I don't necessarily, I don't feel like I would have fully appreciated what I have right now, um, with the family that has come with me. And it's just in some ways I, I have been in a different situation with my brother or even my mom, um, where I was definitely the revolutionary and they were the people who were not revolutionaries. And there was some kind of judgment around that at times, but I think through how, how we've come to this place together isn't because of something it isn't, I didn't plant some kind of seed. I feel like I think it literally is just this world forced us all back together. Um, and I don't like what this world has done, but I am grateful to have, to feel so emotionally and politically close to so much of my family right now. Um, and, uh, and I, and in many ways, Eduardo, it gives me the choice to basically be like, you know what? I'm not going to be a magistrate today. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm not going to insert myself here. I know where my brother stands. I know where my sister, my uh, sister-in-law stands. I know where my mom stands. I don't have to say anything. They're not going anywhere. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stay out in many ways. I'm, I have the luxury right now of choosing when, and when to engage and when not to engage because I'm very much, at least at this moment, I'm very much kind of um, surrounded by a family that's taking care of each other through this time and is trying to figure out how to get to it together. Um, I, I, I do feel, I do feel fortunate for that. Um, listening to both your stories. Yeah, you, you should. I, I also like, I don't want to make out like, Oh, this like sob story. Like there's definitely people who, like have truly been isolated from their family. Um, and I will say like, I mean, particularly like my, my parents, like it's not, it's not like they're like not willing to engage with my life at all. Like, you know, I, like, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like, I just, know, at the end of the day, like I have parents who, who, who love me and who would be there for me if I needed them, you know? Yeah. No. And it just struck me thing, but. how you said you were, 
Like I, I believed you when you said that you were jealous of Eduardo's situation. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like romanticize it. Like, obviously like there's huge difficulties, yeah. like, you know, only a few of which I'm sure you've, you've shared Eduardo. Like, yeah, it's like a grass is always greener sort of thing, but, but yeah, I want to come to your house for Christmas <laughs> or at least get some mezcal. Maybe that's what I'm missing. I love <laughs> well, you're always welcome to come here if you want to come and experience being not in those the center part of Mexico City, but here it's a shouting match, and you gotta you it, it, you gotta really not, not like I mean you gotta really elbow your way into the conversation. Otherwise, <laughs> I gotta work on you're my always welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, you would work on it here. No one's gonna speak to you in English. Um. Where I, I I sympathize with people, um, I think that I've said this before with Kenny. Like, there is this this Latino thing of like, well, we're always going to fight and we're always going to love each other and accept each other for how we are, and that's the thing I do appreciate about Mexico. But I I I, I sympathize with people who may not have those, who may not like thanksgiving dinners in the USA, where they're just like shouting matches and then people stop talking to each other, right? Or like even like the my community that have just cut me off that I don't experience that in Mexico. So I'm, I appreciate that about being in a more like in a Mexican society. It's just, it's just family is very important to it. It overrides your political positions. Uh, but I, I want to get to this. Like we, I said in a topic, like in the beginning of this, like how do we navigate? How do we work with what will happen? There is, um, there, I think there's always going to be difference of thought, plain and simple. There's always going to be a difference of thought. Even amongst the people, like even us, we're going to have differences, right? And there are going to be times where we're going to have to work together or not work together. And I'm not talking about like working with like the amnesty episode we talked about. I'm talking about like just even us, the three, the three of us, the four of us on what's left. We're going to have to come to some uh, agreements and you're going to have to find which way and, you know, the you're, you're going to have to, organize or work with or you're going to have to you're in the community community that you are in i believe that at this time there is not a working class solidarity movement as bigger than my much admired zapatista movement and so i don't think that the that the lines have to be that lines have to be marked at this time i do believe Personally, this is my belief, and it hurts me to say, like, I do believe that it, there'll be a time where if, like, is the expression push comes to shove, something like if, 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 if we're, if we, if we organize strongly enough, bigger than the Occupy movement, if we have, like, in Mexico, we had a revolution here at some time, there are going to be those separations naturally. You're going to have to hold the side. I don't believe we're there. I have not seen one in recent years. There hasn't been a revolution at that scale at this time. But you're going to have to eventually. There's no who said it. Howard Zinn said, you cannot be neutral on a running train. I think it was. <laughs> uh, and you're going to have to eventually come to it. Like, and I, and I invite people to really cross-examine and analyze. And whoever's listening to this and, you know, fighting the algorithms of wherever platform you're listening to this 
you're going to have to really just analyze and dissect things and topics where you personally have already, like maybe you haven't discussed further. I know like we're going to discuss the trans issue. I've been trying to um, read some stuff uh, in, in, during this time as um, when I, before I go to sleep, I've been re-examining other issues that we've talked about, other issues we have not talk, talked about, other political stances we've discussed, and I've slowly progressed and changed over time. And you're going to eventually come to find yourself at difference. Some people don't think about these things in depth. <laughs> and they're, they're going, you're going to have to, like, as what we do here on What's Left, is make those challenging uh, you're going to have to be challenged and confronted. You have to find yourself confronted by where you stand and declare, like, this is what I hold. Like, I'm not along. I'm not going to go along with these QR codes. I'm sorry. Or I'm not going to go along with this mask. I don't want to wear one. Or I'm not going to go along with, you know, this whole um, data-driven society where we're going to have to just, everyone has to present an IV to enter a public space. That's what's happening. I'm not going to go along with, you know, if I have to do something, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to be vaccinated or not vaccinated, I mean, you have to find where this is going to hit you. And it's going to, you're going to have to find a place where you're going to be like, I'm just, not, I, I live my, my, my principle. And that's just going to be it. I think that we're not in a time of erosion at the time where we're going to have to be split just, just yet. That will come maybe if it comes in in my, my lifetime, great. I'll have to pick a side. Uh, you know, it happened in Cuba when the, well, at the time, revolutionaries were going through town through town and people either joined or they did not join. And people were reading with Che Guevara what revolution was and what was socialism. And then it became something else later. But I'm just saying at the beginning, at the genesis of that revolution, People had to make a stand. And unfortunately, when Che Guevara went to Bolivia, people did not choose to join the revolution. And, you know, Che Guevara was killed and murdered and everyone, all the revolutionaries that went to Bolivia, they were. And that, that just happened. That's unfortunate. And at this time, the EZLN, who are in the, the Zapatista movement, they're risking their lives every day, living their lives off the grid. And so uh, it, it, it'll, it'll come. But I, I, and I, I, I just want people to know out there that I feel constantly, I constantly feel like, I've said this before, like a, a grizzly bear with amongst these wolves, like wolves coming after this, you know, and, and maybe that's not a perfect analogy, but I, I, it is, it is, it is, it does take energy and it does take stamina. And, and you, you chose in this moment, like my family knows where I stand. And you know what? I either enter this, preserve my energy, or I don't. I have another one where I'm going to pick another. I'm going to join the lucha. I'm going to join the fight on another area, right? In another area. And that's just that's just where you have to find and measure where you're going to take it. That's how I think of these things. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of harkening back to our amnesty episode a few weeks ago. But like, mm. like it, oh, yeah. it matters where you are and what choices you make when it counts. You know what I mean? Like, like you're describing, like there were people 
during that revolution, right? Who, who chose, who chose a side, right? And there's so many people and it's, I'm down for the forgiveness. I'm down for the people who are saying, I mean, no one in my family, (laughs) my circles, but like, I'm down for the people who are saying, you know, okay, I was wrong. You know, let's have a conversation about this. Let me like, join your side basically. Right. Um, at least in some capacity, even if you don't agree on everything. Um, but I, I do think it, it matters. Right. And there's a lot of people, especially like in the public eye these past few months, you know, and as we head into the new year, like seeding part or all of the narrative as if like, it's just fine. And like, as if they didn't, <laughs> Like they weren't there. Like some of us were fucking there when it when it counted, when it was actually happening. And to me, it's like it, if there's no evidence that like the next thing, the next whatever iteration it is, like the next time that something rolls through, like why why are we to believe that these people are going to act any differently? Like they're going to do the same thing. They're going to go right along with it, right along with it until it's like socially acceptable to resist and then they'll seed part of all of it right and act like oh yeah you know I was like virtuous all along and it's just I don't know it's kind of a vicious cycle (laughs) I agree with Eduardo what you said that at another there is going to come a time where people will have to choose sides and that's just the way it will be and I don't I don't feel like we're at that time right now um Largely because, like you said, there's not, there isn't enough of a resistance to kind of force the question. Um, I guess I'll just say that um, my, the the kind of transformation I've seen among some of my family um, and, uh, and even Brandy actually, uh, because I think back, we we were, when we were talking with Lynn, which I don't think I want to get into that today, but when we were talking with Lynn and Marjorie, Mm -hmm. we were remembering um, because Lynn's situation with her partner is more difficult. Like they're on two different sides of the, of the narrative right now. Um, but there was a time when Brandy and I were definitely there. Like there was a time when Brandy was like telling me to wash my hands all the time and get a mask on and things like that. That, that was only two years ago. And that, that's not where things are at right now. I mean, she is a completely transformed person. It has transformed our relationship. Um, and my family has changed so much from people who you would scorn me when I talked about revolution or at least kind of like roll their eyes to like, okay, my brother's not a socialist, but he, he believes there there needs to be a revolution. He believes this whole situation is going to have to be taken down and rebuilt. Do we, do we think the same thing about what that looks like? I know for a fact we don't, but he's as, he seems to be as convinced as I am that there's going to have to be fundamental change. And you're not going to be able to reform this thing away. And that's a pretty giant change um, from just only a few years ago. So I feel fortunate to be in that situation, to be able to speak of people who I love so much as having made that kind of shift with me. Um, but they are the, they to me are an example of how much people can change in a short period of time. And that could be true for your, who were you talking to, Eduardo? Was it your cousin? Um, uh, the person who's yeah, yeah. my nineteen-year-old cousin. Yeah, you know, um, he might not, but you just don't know where people are going to go. Because um, I would have never 
two or three years ago, me and my sister seemed to be more politically aligned than me and my brother. And two years mm -hmm. later, it's completely changed. Um, I would like to have my sister come with me, but that's because she is, I, by and large, she's she's kind of going along with what the state is telling her and, and talking as if they're keeping her safe and not seeing herself as trying to resist. If she's trying to resist, she's re resisting Republicans, but siding with the Democrats, you know, and like there's no resistance there. Um, um, and, and, but ultimately taking sides against me and the kinds of thing, decisions I made compared to Pfizer or the government or the San Francisco Unified School District, really, you know, taking their side rather than mine. Um, so um, I, 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 I've seen how much people can change um, and people can do go to some very surprising places. But also I would say it feels by and large outside of my control. Like those changes that happen around me, I don't feel like I made them happen. I feel like those people had to make that choice themselves. I could facilitate a little bit. I could maybe be at the right place at the right time, but for that change to happen, that's that's on the individual involved, um, and it's not. I don't think there's any argument I could have had with Brandy or with my brother at some point in time that would have made some difference. They they saw something that 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 creates created questions in their mind that they had to pursue the answer to, and when they pursued that answer, they ended up in a place closer to me. In terms of coming to the notion of revolutionary change, than maybe where they they were, you know, several years several years ago, um, and I have to say I'm, I mean I don't like the way the world is, but I am really grateful for having that. Yeah, you definitely cannot make people change. I mean, family least of all, but yeah, um, yeah it's very helpful for me to hear hear some of those stories. Um, and I think the, the people that I have the most respect for right now, given that I agree, like we don't have a robust resistance. We don't have the makings of a revolution at this point. Um, I don't even really think we have like a movement. I know some people use that word, like whatever, like the freedom movement. I don't, I don't even think we're there. Um, but the people that I have the most respect for are the ones who are just like, going and building their own shit. Like we've interviewed several of them on our show. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, that's, I'm thinking more and more about like materially, like how can I do my own little small version of that? Um, you know, this coming year, because I think, I don't think we can like back to your original kind of framing Edward. Like, I don't think we can just have like separate societies but I think until we get to the point where the resistance is just, or like the, I don't know, the, revol the revolution is just inevitable, right? Um, I think we have to like just start building shit that we want. And some of it's going to fail miserably and some of it's going to turn out great. And it's like, until we, until we have a lot more of that, I don't, yeah, I don't really see the big clash or the big war or whatever um and who knows what it's going to look like but like for now i think that's the best the best thing we can do is just start building the things that we want the societies that we want and i know we're going to do an anarchism <laughs> episode at some point in the nearest future but you know i think i mean a lot of our lives are 
as many people point out, like a lot of our lives are anarchic in nature, like most of the conversations and decisions and ways that we go about. Yeah, there's all these systems and shit, but like most of how we live our lives is like kind of anarchist, honestly. Um, so we do, you know, we're not powerless. I think you're right, like about seeing those differences about like how some people were with us then you just never know how people are going to change over time you know like I think of my cousin who's in university and I'm exposing him to things he hasn't been exposed to in university hopefully that will do something for him you know it makes him think about these things differently so we'll just see time will only tell and I also don't think that it just takes being a magistrate and then, you know, I, I I speak my truth with my family, but it will take like if it, like I how I, I see people confronted, even with people who are apathetic or just don't even I don't have an opinion. I'm not political. I've seen even those people have an opinion or suddenly choose have to choose a side when there is sort of a wave happening of thought. For example, in Latin America, there are these feminists and in Chile, in Colombia, especially in Mexico and Spain, where people have had to choose where they stand on certain issues because a lot of the women here in Mexico in the just most recent years, anyone can pull up articles, they were like, I'm demanding to be heard. There are a lot of feminicides and uh, a cosmic, her, like, you know, like people, sexual um, uh, assault. And so they demanded to be heard. So they, what did they do? They ruined monuments in Mexico City. They just went and just basically just either wrote on it, took it down or you know, or or just made themselves just demand. And so people were confronted, even people who are supposedly I don't have a stance or I'm neutral, whatever, suddenly have to choose like or decide where where they think. So I, I see that as an example of eventually, like if there is some working class movement to overthrow a society, you're gonna have you're gonna be confronted as a society, like where do you stand on this, even if you don't want to pick a side. So it's not just individually here. You have to go. It is. It is going to take a lot of of us to just almost pressure and force people to to think about these things because it'll enter their homes. It's entering their homes, like and in, in societies, like it happens here all the time. I have contentious discussions, and I'm I'm with the feminists here. I just don't think that when I speak to the feminists in Mexico. I just don't think that there is a discussion about well, many are. I don't want to. Get, I don't want to say that they don't, but the, the, some of the people I speak to, there isn't a discussion, a larger, a larger discussion about overthrowing the entire system entirely. But, but I'm with them on that. There is a lot. We we're like, we're gonna have to work on the way that culturally and even just society in Latin America, we're gonna have to just ab abolish ways of thinking and what we're doing to our our institution what the way our institutions are being run and hurting our sisters in this 
in this fight, you know, like that to me is important. And I'm standing with him for that. It's different from like, I feel the identity politics issue in Latin America, in, in the USA, because it isn't here about electing women in power. It's more about like um, mutual aid, protection of each other. You know what? We're going to have to take care of our streets. We're going to go on the streets and patrol them ourselves so that the women can feel protected in on the street. And that is a difference of like um, electing women so that they can protect us legally and legislate and da, da, da. like it's a whole different deal and here it's about like i'm going to carry a fucking gun so that people my my comrades or my 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 sisters feel safe on the street that's a different way of thinking about this stuff that's why it's like when i talk about feminism here it's it's a different deal than it is from the usa you know versus this passive way of like electing people versus militantly going onto the streets and being like we're gonna have to take care of each other you know and that's what they're doing. And so some people are like, what the freak? Like these women aren't, they're they're being they're being the oppressors now. And that some of the people are saying now. And that's not, that's what people are confronted with because their their whistling is now being confronted. Their their touching in the metro stations are now being confronted. Like, is that appropriate or not? You know, so I think that these conversations are entering kitchen table. Um uh, dining rooms and I see that like as an example of how yeah we're gonna have um people will be made to think about things deeply I don't know maybe I went on a rant I don't know if that's helpful on how I think about these things but um it, yeah. it is but I think it's really bleak like I think it's gonna be really bad on that what do you mean like i don't know <laughs> like think about how much support there is for overthrowing capitalism which is a lot there's a lot of people who at least didn't name say that they're against capitalism but like overthrowing patriarchy and it like it looks different in all corners of the world but i think you see like in a country like the u.s where it is more developed right in the sense of like I mean, I don't know off the top of my head what the comparison is between like femicide rates in Mexico versus U.S., but I'm sure it's a lot higher in Mexico. Yeah. But Latin America in general. What we've yeah. witnessed like over the past 50 years of like feminism and just the complete annihilation of feminist spaces and ideology and the like just warping of it into like either something that's totally demonized or something that's like completely patriarchal and like calls itself feminism like that like I'm not saying that that's like where it's gonna go like with these Mexican feminists but like that's what happened here and I think we're we're in such a worse situation than we were 50 years ago like it's it's awful. It's so bad. And it just makes me scared for for those women and like totally righteous resistance and like what are what are they going to be met with? Cuz that is like the oldest like oldest oppressive system like that there is. I don't know. I'm in a really bad mood today. I think you guys, I didn't realize I was, but 
Well, I, I'd, I'd love to hear like people who are listening, you know, kind of how this has evolved for them. Um, you know, it's, it's, I feel like we were kind of having these conversations a year, a couple of years ago, but it's, it's been, I mean, we're coming up on three years since yeah. the pandemic quote yeah. unquote, was declared. So yeah, maybe people will share some experiences yeah. in the comments. Um, before we, before I say something else, Andy, did you have anything to say about what you thought about that woman over there in Sacramento who was sharing about something about partitioning or something? Did you understood her? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it made very much sense what she was saying, what she was wondering about whether or not, whether or not we would live in two different worlds or whether or not these worlds somehow could, the people we, that we could kind of build the world together. Or would it have to be built separately? I, I, I very much understand the question she was posing. I have that. That was what started me think. Start had me thinking for this time in Mexico with my family yeah. was her 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 uh, reasoning around that. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's find a way to conclude. Um, happy holidays to you both. <laughs> yeah. Merry happy Christmas, and I hope you have a happy New Year. Thank you. 2023, um, here we come. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyhow, I found this discussion helpful. And I don't normally say this, but I was still kind of like analyzing and thought kind of like, like, I don't know if that's therapeutic or not, but it just helps to talk about these things out loud and especially with other people that are in your circle of friends. And, and then this specific group, that's what's left team. It really does make a difference to discuss this, especially when you're in the midst of holiday convivial times that are challenging. And for anyone out there that is listening or viewing, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to share your experiences. But I have a lot of sympathy for people who are definitely having challenging times with their families or their friends or their chosen family or wherever you're at, you know, in, in the world, that this is the time where you're going to be confronted by issues like that. So I appreciate having had this discussion and, you know, la lucha sigue. You're always going to have the, the, resist, the resistance continues. The fight continues. Like you're going to have, you're going to be, you're just going to find yourself in, in differences of thought with people. That's just how it's going to be when you make a, when you make a sense. Um, so I appreciate this video. I appreciate this episode. Right. That does it for this week's episode. Uh, What's Left is your weekly political podcast that channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to the podcast uh, slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please uh, subscribe, rate, view, turn on notifications uh, to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. Um, you can also find our social media handles as uh, at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZeptiKE on Instagram and just his Twitter handle as at jhomie89. Uh, you can find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes where we found this episode as well. If you li would like to give us feedback about something you you've heard or some suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog, especially during this time where we could do something different. Uh, and you can contact us through our blog and Andy will connect to you, con connect with you. Uh, uh, and we'll catch you later and hopefully Kenny is having a rest.
restful, a very restful holiday. Take care. Ciao.